Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Ryan Parkin. He's the CEO of Infinity Lithium, ASX listed uh, lithium developer with assets in Europe, Spain specifically. Um, we talked through um, their project in great detail and what's happening within the European ecosystem. Pretty interesting. Uh, if you want our thoughts and opinions on that, you can find that at crossinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis, which you might find interesting. There are commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. Definitely fascinating. Uh, training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. Summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time and a big thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from trolling and abuse. And if that sounds nice to you, and it should, you should go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Ryan, how are you doing, sir? I'm very good. How are you, Matt? Not too shabby, mate. Not too shabby. Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in Perth, Western Australia. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not too bad here at the moment. Go on then. Give me my daily Perth update. How's life? All good? Life is normal? Oh, okay. Yeah, life is normal. It's summertime, so you know I think uh, people are generally happy to be here. They are. They are. Yeah, I, I'm hearing it every day. They're rubbing it in. Actually, Ryan is what's happening. Um, right. So we're we're here, part of Lithium Week, uh, for us hearing a few lithium stories from all around the world. Uh, where we haven't had a lithium story from is, despite you being pro, this is a European story. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So why don't you kick off? Give us a one minute overview of the business, and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. So Infinity Lithium's focused solely on the San Jose Valdeflores project. It's a vertically integrated project. We've got Europe's second largest hard rock resource, and we're seeking to convert that on site for battery grade lithium hydroxide. So, of course, that's going to be required in vast quantities in Europe, and we're ideally placed to service that market. Beautiful. Okay. Well, let's t- let's talk about Europe. Let's let's start with the macro. Okay, because um, you know we've talked a lot about sort of Asian ecosystems, the US, North American ecosystems. Not so much Europe so far. So, what's happening in Europe? Obviously, we see these large OEMs, automotive uh, manufacturers over there. The, the, we've seen the supply demand curves, lots of them. Um, how are you interpreting how you are going to fit into that system by uh, and maybe sort of describe what it looks like at the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, daily there's more news. You look at Ford noting they're going to be fully electrified in Europe by 2030. You know, if you look at some of those projections for lithium-ion battery plants, you're going to need more than one and a half times the global demand by 2029. So I don't think there's any doubting that the lithium-ion battery chain's here to stay in Europe. And it's that key access to raw materials, and and in particular that conversion capacity for battery-grade lithium hydroxide, that's going to be important. There's been very significant investments by OEMs in terms of producing the vehicle, uh, you know, there have been a number of lithium-ion battery plants, but they're working backwards through the value chain now. Cathode production is essential, and, and of course, a major component in that is, uh, is lithium hydroxide. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is whatever it is, for, well, various numbers, but you know, 400 billion bucks worth of infrastructure just by the automotive manufacturers. But uh, how do you plug yourself into that ecosystem? Because we, we get the future demand and, and these OEMs will be, you know, trying scrabbling around trying to secure future supply. But who are the players that you're plugging into now to ensure that you can be part of that ecosystem? I, I, I mean, I saw something with, with regards to EIT, uh, you know, energy, for instance. It, I mean, who, who, whose support are you getting at the moment to actually be able to, one, kind of survive and work your way into the system? 
Yeah, well, I mean, EIT No Energy are a very important player. Uh, they've provided the direct investment in terms of facilitating our technology and, and process flow sheets. So it's those funds that, have, uh, that are entirely aligned to our test work program in Germany at the moment. EIT No Energy is really, you know, an actor that is involved in the European Battery Alliance. And it's that European Battery Alliance that have, you know, major support through the European Commission, the European Union, the European Investment Bank. So, you know, there's this real influx of activity now where there are different funding opportunities, different support throughout the entire battery value chain to develop this European market. So, you know, we're, we're a really essential component of that with a number of other lithium projects and recycling as well will be a key component in the European market. Okay, but how do, how do you kind of get, how do you get money from them? Because everyone's going to have their hands out, right? And there's, there's been a lot yeah. of companies going, oh, there's, there's, there's grants, there's, e, you know, e, EU funds being set up left, right and centre. And being part of it is no guarantee. So there's going to be bits that you can control and there's going to be bits where you just hopefully can say the right thing. So how, how do you best uh, position yourself to be able to extract some cash from the EU? Yeah, I mean, we just announced last week the bat chain proposal. We're part of a consortium and ERTNO Energy was leading that charge within Spain. So, you know, we're all aware of the 750 billion euros on offer through the Coronavirus Recovery Fund. And that's allocated to, you know, projects such as these. You know, within Spain, they're expecting 140 billion. So we're really one of the first cabs off the rank in terms of that expression of interest process. And having a strong player in the battery chain and sustainable chain like ENO Energy is really championing that course for us. 140 billion out of 750 billion across Europe. Why Spain the uh, recipient of so much love? Yeah, oh, look, you know, I mean, they've got a very vast renewable energy, you know, network in terms of, you know, wind and photovoltaic. But in terms of wanting to develop their own lithium-ion battery value chain, this consortium represents just a mere 1.2 billion across five projects. So, you know, in terms of, you know, actually capturing a little part of that pie, you know, it's really important to have something to point to. And in Spain, they have one of the very few lithium resources. Right. So how much time and money are you allocating to this? I mean, Who's, are you spending all your time just chasing down EU funds? No, look, you know, I think it's just been uh, one of, you know, way of organic progression. So, you know, you've got the Coronavirus Recovery Funds. You've also got the European Investment Bank. that's very focused on stepping away from fossil fuel projects and are specifically focused on lithium extraction, but more importantly, downstream conversion. So projects such as this, you know, it's all about that strategic value and political alignment for a greater Europe. They want a you know, net zero carbon 2050 goal. And without electrification, that'll never happen. So it's really important they're building this from the ground up, and clearly lithium's a major part of that. Yeah, it is. Um, so let's, let's talk about the macro generally. Obviously, you know, lithium equities have seen a sort of bump in the last three months. You know, the price of various types of lithium products have seen prices uh, going up as well, um, which, which obviously helps. Um, so the macro thematic is, is getting recognised in the market. Good news. Good news mm. for companies like you. You've seen a pop in your share price. You mean you spent most of the last two years below 10 cents. You're now up around 17. Um, do you think that's going to be sustainable? Are you going to be able to sustain the interest of investors in the marketplace? Or is it, is it just the beneficiary of the macro thematic at the moment? I think the market's really starting to wake up to the opportunity of not uh, purely a resources project, but actually participating further downstream. So on one hand, you know, we're integrated, we're actually controlling an end product that's critically important for Europe, you know, which is also, you know, very important when considering what markets are looking at. So probably on the ASX, we've been very, you know, Chinese-centric, you know, SpodCon exports, and they're really starting to wake up to that opportunity in Europe, uh, much the same as in North America, a very similar thematic. 
Right. Okay. Just over 50 million market cap. Obviously, you've got got a long way to go. There's a lot of growing room, right? And you're talking the story of fully integrated. Fully integrated, as you say, you want to capture more of that value further downstream, which which is admirable. But this is a very technical project. So what are you doing in terms of putting the skill sets in place today to be able to, you know, at least start that journey further downstream? Yeah, uh, in the final quarter of last year, we appointed a lithium expert, Mr. John Starrick, to our board. He's been very heavily involved in a, in a number of projects globally over three decades, so inclusive of mineral extraction, but also the development of downstream process and flow sheets. Now, this is a very particular chemistry set that you must develop. That's not another commodity story. And he's also brought with him uh, Dr. David Marie, who has had an extensive career with Talison as well here in Western Australia. So, you know, between those two, our, our first two additions in that space, with the expertise of Dorf Moranza Plan in Germany, we think we're heading in the right direction. No, I, no, I, I get you are, and we, we hear the story a lot, but, you know, being technically competent to be able to do it is another thing. So, because it requires not just the skill sets, it requires the money, and it requires you to be able to tell the story of, you know, you're not a miner. You, you know, you're in the kind of industrial chemicals uh, or industrial minerals. You know, you, you kind of want that re-rate. So it's, it's a great story. But can you piece together to me how you're going to set about doing that? Because, you know, we've seen some numbers come out of this, you know, some quite decent numbers, actually. Um, so w- w- what's that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of, you know, developing our process flow sheet, we're working on that at the moment with ERT and O Energy, you know, in Spain. We're going to work through that test work program. We're going to continue to deliver our, our, our technical studies, our DFS, et cetera. But, you know, this is all about bringing bigger players to our project as well. So, you know, we've started off in the in the junior space and really more and more at this point in time, we're starting to see bigger players turn their attention, moving away from traditional sets, moving into the renewable space. So this is all about ESG and in Europe in particular, they're starting to put up, you know, barriers to entry. You know, they're going to be fining and taxing new entrants into the market from coming outside of the European Union. So it's going to be a very logical progression. We're going to add value technically along the way through permitting, through those technical studies, but also it's also about attracting those larger players. And there's inevitably, sorry, inevitably going to be large players requiring fast volumes of hydroxide. Well, for sure, and that's where the margins are. So. What are you doing or, you know, how do you think you move this thing forward in terms of get, getting the funding? We've talked about, you know, chasing EU funding and, you know, various initiatives there, um, which, which is admirable. You've also raised 15 million bucks yourselves recently, haven't you? Yeah, look, entirely right. So, you know, we're very strongly supported in the market. A number of institutions have, uh, have joined our share register and also through Europe as well. So I think it's critically important as we move forward. We're considering other exchanges within Europe and the UK and really making this a European story moving forward. So, you know, you will see changes in, in our team and growth in our team as this is entirely a European focus. And that gives us the greatest chance of success moving forward. So EU focus, EU project, ASX listing. Is that going to change? Yeah, look, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, it would be crazy not to be considering those opportunities uh, in the UK. I think, you know, is a, is, is a very uh, suitable place for us to reside as well. But also looking at continental Europe, you know, there's a lot of support in the Scandinavian exchanges. So, you know, this is really a space that's heating up and we've really seen it over the last 90 days, you know, that activity in Europe picking up. So, you know, we're thrilled with our, our recent raise. You know, it's very significant for us at this point in time. We're going to have cheap availability of debt in the European Union, you know, aligned to strategic projects. So really watch that space. So um, so what type of investors came in? Was it the EU money or was it Aussie? 
Um, look, I mean, there was EU, there was um, out of Hong Kong, there was out of the UK, there was European as well. So, you know, it was a you know, very well supported placement. And, you know, I think, you know, the market's recognising that opportunity. Right. And you mentioned ESG, okay. You've had problems with some locals, right? They're not so keen on you building a mine next to their town. Um, that's been a long running thing. I think the previous uh, CEO, um, and I think we, we met uh, Vincent, uh, he was obviously laughing going to Vulcan Energy, but they were struggling to kind of get that message over about what it is that you're trying to achieve. So why is it going to change? Well, I think, you know, there's going to be a greater understanding of our project moving forward. You know, we've spent a lot of time focusing from the top down. We got involved with the European Battery Alliance. We've attracted the interest of ERT and O Energy and received support, you know, really at the highest levels of government in Spain as well. So we're really flipping that around now. We're starting to focus more locally. And it's that opportunity to use a world-class asset to attract other industry to the locality, which is critically important. I mean, this is a region with more than 20% unemployment before COVID, huge uh, depopulation issues. You know, the youth have, have really no reason to stay there. So this can act as a beacon for the local community. And this is really where we're focusing our efforts now to change that sentiment. But it, but is it resonating? Because like I said, the company's been at it a long time. They've been banging that drum a long time. No change in sentiment. So, you know, support from on high, support, um, you know, federally is one thing, but it's all about the locals. So what more do you need to do? What, what more are you going to do to persuade them or encourage them to at least give you a chance um, to actually get this project off the ground? Because I get, you know, pumping money into the, the ecosystem sounds admirable, but if they don't want it, they don't want it. Yeah, oh, look, you know, I think there's also a level of understanding. So, you know, they're not necessarily understanding that opportunity downstream. I mean, these are multi-decade jobs that are available, skilled jobs, you know, great opportunity for the next generation coming through. So, you know, this is an ageing population that resides in Caceres. And for them moving forward now, it's about better understanding that opportunity. And they're starting to see movement in the lithium-ion battery chain as well. So this can attract other industry to the region, which will be attractive. You know, that's really our challenge now is to, you know, engage with the local community and get them to understand that opportunity in a far better way. Right. And obviously, you've raised 15 million bucks. You've told that story. That would have been one of the first questions asked, right? Because that's been a sort of major roadblock for you. You've got mm. the, these new investors over the line. They understand that. Um, did everyone understand that? Were there anyone, anyone that you told that story with, you know, still concerned that, you know, this, it's something that perhaps could cause a problem down the line? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think we can even point to when EIT and our energy came in mid last year. I mean, they have a, a Spanish and Iberian office and they understand the political situation perfectly well. I think, you know, we're entirely upfront of, about where we stand locally at the moment, but the permitting process is undertaken at the regional level. This is the same regional government that put this project out to tender in 2016. So we continue to follow the administrative and legal process to undertake our permitting and, um, and environmental studies moving forward. And you've hired a politician to help you? Or ex-politician, I'm not quite sure. Ex-politician. Ex, ex, yeah. ex, ex Is that the right person to speak also, to people? Yeah, no, look, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's actively engaged with people. He's a local uh, from Caceres. You know, he's currently residing there as well. And he's also an environmental engineer. So, you know, we haven't just hired a, a, a politician to shake hands and to be seen in public. You know, he's providing a lot of value to us. And, you know, it's really important that we're engaging with the local community. So it's one of uh, many steps that will follow in terms of employing local people, but also having the right people represent the project. 
Okay, and some some of the other hires. I noticed a couple of technical people join the the team. Um, t- to what end? What what are you focusing them on right now? Given where you are, because you know, being being a hydroxide producer, that's some ways down the track. So, what are these technical people focused on now? Well, I, I, one thing I would say about these technical people, uh, David and John, you know, they've been really involved in recent conversion plants, you know, which is somewhat of a rarity. We're always pointing towards China and essentially bolt-ons or additions to existing plants. So they've been involved in some of the more recent projects here in Western Australia. So we benefit from that IP and knowledge moving forward. So we're really running the ruler over our process flow sheet and seeking to improve and optimise along the way. So they've been invaluable to us. And furthermore to that, one of our non-executive directors has joined the executive team, uh, Remy Welshinger. He's got vast experience in markets there in the UK and really having him starting to step up to the plate and being more actively involved in the daily management of the business really points to, you know, where we see the project, which is European focus. Okay. And if I look at this kind of European ecosystem, um, there's no American version of protectionism yet. It's, you know, it's they will be buying in from abroad they will be you know, open to uh, picking up uh, lithium from South America, from Australia, et cetera. Um, do you think that will change over time? Because you know, you're one of very few lithium, potential lithium producers in Europe. Yeah, well, look, you know, you know, what was announced in December and even referred to by the President of the European Commission today is, you know, the importance of raw materials and sustainability and not relying on China for those, uh, you know, for those chemicals moving forward. So they actually have implemented some, some barriers to entry. You might have heard about the, the battery passport moving forward and there's going to be fines and penalties applied to, you know, essentially that supply chain and that stamp on that battery based on where those chemicals are sourced, you know, the route to get there, you know, the case from Australia is, um, yeah, really evident. If you're, you're mining here, you're converting in China and moving the product all the way to Europe, it's going to have a, a very different profile to something mined and converted within the European Union. And they're putting measures in place now to protect that market, to outgreen China and make sure it's not a race to the bottom with dirtier processes elsewhere globally. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, actually. And again, this is further to the ESG um, thematic, which a lot of companies talking the language of zero carbon, because I think, again, OEMs are going to demand that along the supply chain, all the way along the supply chain from mine to final mm. product. Um, do you think you're going to see or because, I mean, you're having these conversations in Europe with these various funds, the various EU um, institutions and bodies. Are we going to sort of see a bifurcated pricing in the market, whether that be through tax credits or, or other mechanisms that are available to them? I mean, it'd be to your benefit, I guess, if, if they did, but is that a reality? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a strong possibility, but you know, I do think in terms of ring fencing their own market, if you look at it in terms of building the supply chain, that is evident, and that's been a motion for you know 36 months. If we're considering about those barriers to entry now for these you know key components, you know, a key part of the strategy for Europe moving forward is is a high rate of recycling. So ultimately, they want to be largely self-sufficient from their limited raw materials conversion capacity, and also implement you know recycling in that second generation. Um, you know, mentality. So, you know, I think it is a strong possibility because they're going to promote that uh, that internal source of lithium. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I hope that it doesn't get down to protectionism and I hope it's just decisions made on for ethical reasons, for, you know, zero carbon, for environmental reasons. I hope those are the reasons and we're not sort of seeing a sort of divided world because we, you know, talking about ecosystems and critical minerals being, you know, self-sufficient is, it's not a positive language, uh, for sure. So your hopes for 2021, I mean, how close are you to, you know, 
announcing the next, next set of studies, results, numbers? What could we expect to see in 2021? Yeah, I mean, our test work program is well underway in Germany. And, you know, once we complete that, we're going to have the data available to lodge our mining licence application and environmental impact assessment. So, you know, there's some very key milestones that we'll be expecting before the end of the year. And then obviously progressing through to complete our DFS into next year. Right. And so you can you can process everything, you can deliver everything that you want to technically in terms of doing, doing the studies, putting the information out there to market. You've got, still got to get the locals over the line. I mean, are they a barrier to this? And if so, what what happens if that just takes longer than you think? Yeah, oh, look, you know, I, I think there's no shying away from the fact that the local population, you know, does have to support the project and, you know, and we have to engage with them you know, to assist them in understanding those benefits. So, you know, there are other mechanisms in place in terms of how a project can be promoted in country and, you know, there, there are other, av other avenues that are available legally. But, you know, I do think in terms of what's available in the European Union, the opportunity to, uh, to provide other support within the area of CASA is, you know, can be other catalysts to be able to accelerate the decision locally. Right. I mean, you don't want to get, you don't want to take uh, legal routes available to you because that, that suggests an adversarial type approach. So it's better to win them over. You've got some money now, but you're going to mm. allocate a chunk of that money to actually educate or at least help people understand what it is that you're trying to build out. Yeah, look, in, in entirely the case, there's 35,000 flyers going out this week to the to the local population. So, you know, it's about engaging with that local population, understanding their position, and, you know, moving forward, we're looking at our training and research facilities. You know, it's about actually providing this project for the good of the people of Caceres. You know, we want to be able to provide a royalty, you know, have those funds allocated to infrastructure. I mean, this is a, this is a town that could really use that financial support. So it's imperative that we are working locally. Oh, can you can you actually with regards to royalties or any tax paid? They're they're paid locally. They're not paid um, at federal level. That's so you you could you is that at your election or is that just the way it works in Spain? No, no, this is entirely at our election. So you know the um, you know the concept of royalties is not something that's familiar with other projects in Spain. Uh, very different to the mining you know environment here in Western Australia by way of example. So for us, it's about aligning it to the to the local community. This isn't a royalty that's payable federally. This is a royalty that will be done by way of negotiation for the good of the town. Okay, interesting. Well, look, Ryan, um, nice nice update. Appreciate it. Obviously. Yeah. Um, Seems like all change with the, with the, with the team moving forward. Um, I look forward to you know hearing from you as uh, 2021 progresses. See how you get on. Stay in touch. Thanks a lot, Matt. It's been good talking to you today. We're really looking forward to progressing our studies through the rest of this year and delivering our mining license and environmental impact assessment and working closely with key European stakeholders. So I look forward to updating you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.